0: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Stan Jastrzewski, who's the uh, news director at WFIU. And we're going to be talking today with President Michael McRobbie of Indiana University. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. President McRobbie, thanks for being here with us again. I think this is the third time you've been on the program, maybe twice since you've been president
1: and a few times when I was provost, yeah, before right, that, too, so, know, yeah. so delighted to be back as always.
0: Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you and Stan, good to see you sitting in today. Likewise, good to see you. Great. Okay, I, I want to start off with a question. We, we have several uh, emails already and, and a couple of them address this a little bit, but I want to talk about the economic times that we're in. I mean clearly it's economic uncertainty to put it mildly and I, I want to uh, ask you what impact that has on on IU specifically and higher education in general.
1: Well, it, they, these are clearly um, sobering times uh, as far as the economy is concerned. But at uh, Indiana University, I think we're in, we're in very good uh, shape at the moment. Uh, there, there are two ways it affects us um, in the short term uh, and two main ways. One is through um, interest rates on, uh, on, on debt. And there, I think due to excellent management by the university treasurer, uh, Mary francis McCourt and uh, the CFO, uh, Neil Theobald, and, and also I think through the trustees and the Finance and Audit Committee, um, we converted all of our variable rate debt, that is debt where you're at the mercy of the market when it comes to the interest rates, to fixed rate debt months ago, so at historically low figures of about 4%. So, so we're not sub- subject to that particular problem. Another is liquidity. Um, wh- one of the main funds that where universities park money in the short term Uh, that covers the running expenses of the university Uh, actually uh, the week before – sorry, no, last week, uh, announced that uh, depositors could only withdraw 10 percent of their deposits, and that's since increased. Uh, We have moved uh, more than half of our money out of that fund uh, some months ago as well. So we're in no – we don't have any issues or concerns there. Um, People, if they're caught in that way, have to then borrow money at very high interest rates, and so they start getting major – Issues with uh, short-term debt, but longer-term, and, and I think this is this is where we need to focus. Um, we will see some uh, some impacts. Uh, I think the the interest on our uh, or the inter- interest income that we that funds uh, quite a few of activities that will um, that will decline, but uh, we'll see the uh, the income from uh, our endowment probably be stable and uh, maybe decline a little as well, and that funds many of our activities. But but I think importantly. Um, In recessionary times or times uh, of of the downturn downturn in the economy, um, philanthropic giving tends to be affected only marginally because I think people understand that it's in these times that one really does need the supporters – of an institution like you to 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 come to the party and to and to contribute and help um, all all they can. In fact, um, I'm I'm looking uh, optimistically in some ways on on this as, a, as as maybe as a time of opportunities. The private universities are, I think, as everybody knows, disproportionately dependent on uh, income from their endowments, and we we have a much more diversified sources of our. Uh, our income uh, we get it from the state, from the federal government, from tuition and and obviously some from private philanthropy as well. Uh, I think you might start to see um, uh, there be uh, some movement in terms of uh, recruiting opportunities there for for IU and and, and we 've had We've certainly faced uh, um, uh, difficulties competing with the privates uh, simply because they've been um, so well-funded through their private endowments. And I think you'll start to find that'll be maybe diminishing and and hopefully we can start attracting even more of the excellent faculty uh, from those institutions or people who may otherwise have gone to those institutions. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we'll see, I think we're going to see some challenges, but I, I want to try to ensure that we, we're, we're that we take some initiatives and that we're we 're structured in such a way that that uh, as the uh, this country and the world starts to come out of what will probably be some kind of downturn that we're well positioned to come out of that ahead of anybody else
0: I want to follow up if I could um, before I turn over to Stan um, the um the Indiana congressional delegation sought counsel from the uh, some of the people at the Kelly School about yes. the bailout bill. Uh, you, you mentioned Neil Theobald and Mary Francis McCord and, and the professional staff that you have to deal with a lot of these investment issues and financial issues. But do you turn to experts like the ones you have on – you know economists that you have at the university, experts at the Kelly School in any sense to, to try to help guide the university through this?
1: There are certainly uh, – uh, sort of interaction between those people. And in fact, I know that uh, the Vice President Theobald some months ago established a group that uh, includes a number of um, faculty uh, from the Calico School and other places. Uh, to, to And this was somewhat prescient of, of him doing this, but it was really to look at um, what might we see change in the future economically? What might the... Uh, how, how, how might the world be going and how might that affect uh, the... Uh, the economic situation for Indiana University, um, the mix of uh, residents and non-residents uh, for the economy was to was to get uh, uh, into difficulties, uh, what effect would that have? Would more students come? Would they be more in-state? Uh, would out-of-state uh, n- not be there in such numbers? And so on and so on. Um, and that's, that uh, group is uh, doing its uh, work at the moment. I, I expect in the weeks ahead there will be even more of that kind of consultation, Bob, that will happen. Mm-hmm.
2: We have an email here who uh, an emailer wants to know if if you believe that the credit market crunch is going to have an effect on the ability of the university or on the government to hand out student loans and, and thereby in order to keep the student population where it is, which is at record numbers for the incoming class this year right.
1: oh i I think there, there may be some uh, pressure on um, interest rates. Uh, uh, for For student loans i mean I, I certainly um, have stated uh, uh, in the last couple of days, and 'll we'll state again for your, for your listeners that uh, we will do everything we can to ensure that uh, that student loans and, and other forms of student financial aid remain affordable to um, to students who who need it. Uh, we went to a system of um, away from the uh, from the more commercial based system of loans to one that uh, we handled uh, in house earlier this year, and I think that turned out to be fairly prescient uh, of us as well. Um, so we, you know, we are committed to ensuring that uh, that to kind of finance for students will remain uh, as accessible and affordable as, as possibly can.
2: You said IU is not as reliant on its endowment for day-to-day funding of activities no. as some private universities, but obviously the endowment is going to take a pretty sizable hit right. throughout all of this. Have you had any response from financial managers to say how much I use endowment has lost.
1: Oh, I, I mean I'm in I'm in uh, you know pretty regular contact uh, with uh, the uh, the foundation, and um, you know clearly our our endowment um, will to, to to some degree track what is going on with uh, the major indices. So the kinds of um, declines in value that one is seeing with those major indices will be reflected to some degree in what does one's going to see in our endowment, as they will in any other. Uh, investments of those kinds that, that people hold. I mean, the exact uh, it's a, it's a very large endowment and and uh, uh, very extensively diversified nationally, internationally, in different sectors and so on. And so uh, it's difficult to determine the you know precise value at any at any one time, um, uh, or at least on, on a rolling basis there. But uh, but clearly there'll be declines there of the kind that uh, that one the one is seeing in in every other. Um, uh, you know, large-scale investment of that kind.
0: We have another question that relates to this whole topic. It says, uh, the university as a whole and individual campuses, IU Bloomington for example, have been saying the right things in good faith about diversity among faculty and students for a long time. They've centered on the need to improve the mix of backgrounds on every campus. It's not difficult to see that actions and initiatives designed to meet these goals have not necessarily been supported at levels high enough to guarantee their results. How can IU manage to improve diversity given the apparent impending economic crisis? And the writer goes ahead and says, "I'm sorry if this is a tough one, but it's an important question in this area of rising standards." Oh, it's not a
1: it's it's not a tough one. I mean, I I, I would disagree with what the uh, the listener says about um, not being supported at high levels. I think it has had um, uh, uh, you, basically universal support throughout uh, all the senior levels of of the university. Um, for example, uh, I think it's reflected in the fact that we have the most diverse class in recent history uh, on the Bloomington campus this year. Uh, over eleven percent of the incoming class is made up of uh, minority students—African um, American, Latinos, and Asian Americans—and in every one of those um, uh, those minority areas, uh, the numbers have increased. There has been an increase, and uh, and it's reflected in in the. Um, a major increase in the number of 21st century scholars that we have attracted through the new financial aid program That uh, not so new now. We started it three years ago. We've seen an over 60% increase in the number of 21st century scholars who have come to Indiana University, and that is an area... Uh, uh, where there are a disproportionately, a disproportionately large number of minority and low-income students in that area there. So, uh, And, of course, uh, just a few weeks ago, I announced uh, the President's Diversity Initiative, which is uh, another million dollars, um, aimed really at trying to find new approaches. We put a lot of money into diversity over the last couple of years. But I, what I want to do now is say, well, what, what other approaches are there out there? I want to unlock the sort of creativity of our... Um, our faculty and staff and other administrators and students to come up with uh, other ideas as to how we can continue to increase and improve the diversity of the university. If there was one area where I think we, we will need to put more emphasis, uh, it, it is in um, improving the diversity of the graduate student population um, because it's the graduate students who become or the minority graduate students who become the faculty members who in turn become the role models. Uh, which I think is such an important way of in turn attracting more minority students or or, um, uh, frankly in many cases uh, women students. And uh, that's an area at the graduate level that I think uh, uh, there there probably is more to be done, uh, uh, much more to be done there that uh, we need to work on.
0: Just uh, in terms of a definition, 21st century scholars, to ver- simplify it very much, essentially these are students that are in the eighth grade. They're identified right. and sign a, a, a pact that they're going right. to do certain things and then they'll get free college education? Uh,
1: they, they, get, uh, they get all of uh, their tuition uh, and some other expenses covered and then we have a 21st century scholars uh, program that what it does is provide – the rest of the total cost of attendance for that student to come to Indiana University. So, if you're a 21st, if you uh, are chosen as a 21st century scholar uh, to come to Indiana University, we'll cover the the rest of the cost of your attendance at, at IU. And so far, the, that's been enormously successful.
0: Mm-hmm. Over five about
1: 500 students.
0: Our phone number is eight five five zero eight one one. Uh, 877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu is our email address. Our guest today
2: is Indiana University President Michael McCrobby. I wanted to ask more about diversity. I mean, we've done some stories here about the diversity initiatives that have gone on and the attempts to improve minority enrollment and the the one question we keep asking, and we haven't really been able to get a, an answer yet, is is what are the goals and for the whole the whole initiative as as the university sees it, and and how will you know that the university is is truly diverse to your specifications or your desires?
1: I, I th- there's no. Um a precise definition of this for the whole of the university but but I think what uh, most of us would agree was is that we would like to see the uh, minority composition of the undergraduate body the graduate body uh, the faculty and staff of the universities more closely mirror that of the state and of the nation and uh, on on all campuses now that that's in very broad general terms and I'm well aware that that for various reasons that may vary from from campus to campus around uh, uh, around the state uh, and and then when you look at the numbers when some areas um, uh, uh, we, we 're close to that other areas we 're a long way from it um, so so that's that 's where we 're headed and I think um, uh, one will one will be able to say that yes, I think we've been reasonably successful when when one is achieving numbers, something like that, but then when one is also achieving out uh, the outcomes, it's not just about inputs it's also about uh, what are the graduation rates like? Are those minority students graduating at comparable uh, percentages to, um, uh, to other students and uh, and are they then um, able to go on to uh, rewarding careers and so on i mean th- those will be the, uh, those will be the, those are the kinds of measures that one uses there.
2: We have a couple of e- um, emails that actually address this uh, in a certain way. Um, one of them says um, – one of them wonders uh, about the concern for what they call the, the lack of basic civil rights and, and bias crime protections for gay, lesbian, transgender people in the state and whether it undermines the ability, this person says, of IU and its, especially its life science partners to attract and retain the best employees. He says, "This person wants to know what public leadership role are you willing to take on such issues?" Well, I'm
1: just—I I just don't know what the listener is referring to there in terms of civil rights. I just—I just don't know what's being referred to. I'm sorry, I just can't comment unless I know what's being referred to.
2: There's been talk recently uh, around the state about uh, new hate crime legislation and, and how it trickles down to various. Uh, aspects of the state and Indiana is one of the few states that doesn't have any hate crime protection and some people are saying one of the places it should start is at the institutions of, of higher learning. And so I think this person is wondering, does IU plan to uh, go with what appears to be a trend for the upcoming legislative session toward uh, talking about hate crime legislation for the state of Indiana?
1: Uh, well, I'm just – it's just on an issue that, uh, that I've, um, you know, really uh, – been involved in discussing very much, but I would say that I think that the uh, the university um is at pains to to uh, to indicate that it uh is is open to to people of of whatever backgrounds whatever sexual preferences whatever um minority backgrounds i mean it is it is completely blind to all those matters and is completely open to Uh, to people from any backgrounds um, whatsoever and at the same time it also encourages a environment of um, civility and respect of uh, people with differing opinions and uh, different lifestyles and from differing cultures and differing uh, backgrounds as well. These are fundamental values of the academy and of, of the universities. As to what legislation is or isn't planned uh, in the legislature, we don't even know about that yet and won't know until the session, uh, session starts. And then we, then we decide uh, as to what it is appropriate for us to um, uh, lobby for or um, sometimes against.
2: Another person uh, asks whether you have thoughts on the business school's appointment of General Peter Pace. Uh, and and wonders, does this contradict the message that uh, leadership can be learned? Can leadership be learned? This person wants to know from someone who is openly, he says, I'm quoting now, scornful and discriminating toward a significant part of the population and he wants to know, do you think the university's reaction would have been the same if he'd made comments about a particular race or religion rather than homosexuals?
1: Well, my understanding is that he met with uh, various GLBT groups when he was here and they, um, as of my understanding, is that they, uh, we're very uh, happy with those um, meetings with uh, with the general. Um, uh, he hasn't been appointed in any, uh, to the faculty. He's he will be a visiting lecturer. He is a man who um, has commanded possibly the largest single human organisation on this planet, and uh, uh, I think there is much to be learnt from him um, on leadership. Uh, as to the other views he held, I believe that he he did uh, meet with um, the GLB2 groups and. Uh, uh, and uh, and I think they uh, found those, uh, as I understand it, those um, meetings to be uh, uh, to be very very helpful, and that they would con- they were conducted in a um, in a productive and, and fruitful manner.
0: All right, our phone numbers again eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, and you can send an email to noon at indiana edu. Um, we mentioned the legislature and I know that uh, you talked with uh, the state budget committee. Is that who you were meeting with? Uh, the the Higher, Education Higher Education Commission. Higher Education Commission this morning, yes, about uh, the upcoming session and your budget request. What are you going to focus on, um, on your, in your legislative agenda this year?
1: Uh, three things, Bob, uh, and that's, this tends to be what we always do. Firstly, our, our operating request. I mean the, the uh, appropriation that uh, we've asked for from the state – Uh, to maintain um, many of the basic operations of uh, the university. Uh, A lot of that is formula-driven. It is worth commenting, and I did say this to the commission this morning, that we were asked not to uh, add anything uh, for um, the maintenance of operations. That is uh, an inflationary adjustment. Um, I think one one of the outcomes of the present economic difficulties around the world will probably be some kind of an inflationary increase. And I think it becomes even more important for us uh, to be able to get an inflationary increase, so I made an appeal to the commission and we 'll make an appeal to the state uh, uh, budget uh, commission when I meet committee when I meet with them um, to to give v- serious weighty consideration to an inflationary increase. Uh, we have inflationary uh, costs um, salaries obviously uh, for our very best um, faculty and staff, we have uh, healthcare uh, increases we have this the increase of technology, which uh, is is always an inflator, and so on so So uh, that's one. Second is our capital request. Um, Both uh, principal priority there is is, um, repair and rehabilitation uh, so that we're able to keep uh, all of our buildings uh, functioning uh, properly and uh, repaired and and so on. And then uh, obviously, and and as well as that, uh, request for funding for new buildings, and we have a series of those, one of which is uh, not relevant to this campus but extremely relevant to the IU Northwest Campus, which is... Uh, a new building to repair a building that was basically um, destroyed uh, by the f- recent uh, severe floods up there, and that was a, that's going to be a major priority of ours as well. And then thirdly is is the Innovation Alliance, which is the the new uh, joint partnership between IU and Purdue that uh, President Cordova and I announced uh, some months ago, and this will be uh, an attempt to really bring our uh, united strengths behind uh, a series of very specific uh, initiatives in the life sciences, some new core facilities to support research in both campuses, but in a joint way, but also with to provide um, uh, those facilities to uh, other researchers in, in uh, industry in the state. Uh, part of it will focus on trying to address the physician shortage uh, in the state, and then a part of it will be based on providing matching funds uh, to help us attract more of the really major grants, which is where many of the agencies are headed, like the recent uh, clinical translational science institute uh, grant twenty five million dollar grant that we just received from the nsF uh, sorry NIH just a few weeks ago as well and and uh, that 's a thirty five million dollar per year grant uh, sorry appropriation that we 're requesting um, from the state that will will we think is really focused on ultimately the question of how to um, uh, address basic basic uh, health issues for for um, all Hoosiers, and also how to increase the amount of excellent research done in the state. Mm-hmm.
2: Now we've talked about some some positive things about uh, uh, just now, and then we've talked about the the problems of the credit crunch. And so now, next week, your your State of the University address comes up. What is your tone going to be?
1: My my tone will be one of. Um, uh, relentless but not irresponsible optimism. <laughs> uh, we we have had a remarkable uh, uh, series of records over the last six months: record numbers of students, record SATs, record amounts of research, externally funded research dollars were brought in, record number of international students, record number of IU students going overseas, record private private giving, record number of construction projects underway or planned. I mean, this is this is all. Uh, these are all matters for um, sort of unambiguous celebration uh, for the university. Now we know that the times are, will be become more challenging in the future, and we need to be positioning ourselves to to address those. But but uh, the the developments over the last uh, few months indicate that we have, um, I think, real momentum that the university is uh, is really attracting. Um, even more attention than it's always attracted, both nationally and even internationally. And uh, this, gi- this gives us a way, I think, of, of moving into the, uh, the, the uncharted waters ahead of us in, in the best possible shape we could be.
0: All right. Um, the, uh, the speech is going to be in Indianapolis. Is yes. that correct? Now, why did you choose Indianapolis instead because of – Because
1: I gave my inaugural speech here last year, Bob, okay. and that was effectively the first state of the university <laughs> speech, and this will be the second, and okay. I intend to alternate between to alternate between yeah, those right. That, right. that, was, that was the tradition of my predecessors too.
0: Okay. All right. We've uh, hit time for our break. So Michael McRobbie, the president of Indiana University, is here with us today. If you want to join the conversation in the next half hour, please phone us at eight five five zero eight one one or 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
3: www.southdunnstreet.info WFIU thanks all who support public radio. Next time you're visiting one of our business supporters, please let them know that you appreciate their support of WFIU. Perhaps you're involved in decision making at a business or profession in the WFIU listening area. If you'd like your message to reach WFIU listeners, you can find out more about benefits of underwriting with a call to 1-800-662-3311, or a visit to our website at wfiu.org.
0: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, along with Stan Jastrzewski, and today we're talking with Indiana University President Michael McRobbie. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348.
2: Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And we have one of those emails. A woman writes in and says, I'm amazed at how much power TAs have in many of my children's classes and how little oversight they seem to get from the professor. A woman wants to know, uh, for how much it costs a student per year, is it unreasonable for me to expect assignments, especially important papers, which require subjective judgment? To be corrected by a professor who should have proven skills and judgment as well as a deeper understanding of the subject matter. Well,
1: obviously, I can't comment in in detail on that, but uh, but uh, certainly, uh, I think, in from what I've seen in the university, um, uh, it tends to be the case that the that you have the right level of of um, uh, academic uh, supervision uh, for the level of the class. Uh, I mean, TAs remember are. are uh, Tend to be senior uh, graduate students uh, doing PhDs uh, with a lot of uh, coursework and uh, and research behind them, and ex- and, and uh, developing um, expertise, considerable expertise in some area. In many cases, they they can they, they can actually be students who already got their uh, advanced degrees, and when it comes to providing. Um, uh, uh, teaching services, whatever they are, whether they 're teaching a course or grading in a course or helping assisting in um, with students in a course they have um, they have considerable uh, expertise there, but when it comes to uh, a fourth year um, on a seminar or or something comparable, uh, I think in general, they tend to be taught uh, by um, senior uh, faculty members in, in general. And uh, uh, we are, we're not a small private university. We're a large public university with 32,000 plus undergraduate students. And uh, that's realistically the only way that, uh, that instruction can be carried, carried out here. But I think on the whole, it's done uh, pretty, pretty reasonably and pretty
2: effectively. We've talked on a, a number of different areas now about how the large student body affects the university and obviously the freshman enrollment is a, a source of, of pride for the school this year especially uh, and rightly so. Um, it's it's produced a couple of interesting developments though. For interst- for instance, uh, there are still 40 to 50 students who are living in residence hall lounges and I got to wondering, is, is this uh, – is, the, is it the point of the university to keep – uh, pushing up its enrollment slowly, but surely, uh, or you know are are there other ways to to deal with a large student body? in other words, might there be um, different living conditions uh, uh, more co ed floors another another dorm built perhaps uh, going way to one end of the spectrum? Uh, how does the school intend to continue to deal with these numbers
1: uh, i I think uh, uh Stan that we I mean we we were obviously very pleased to to have such a large class. But um to to be frank, we, we uh part of the reason for that was was we were so overwhelmed with applications. Uh we actually had to stop taking applications the first first time ever. And uh the, the criteria for admission that were that were, were being used, uh, which we believe would have delivered a class of um, – uh, somewhat, somewhat smaller class than what we had, uh, was such that we just ended up with, with a larger class. We just had so many good students applying to come to Indiana, Indiana University and so many good um, – uh, Hoosier students. Um, we will be aiming for a. This is, I think, probably an historically high watermark for um, Indiana University Bloomington. We will be aiming for a for a smaller class, um, uh, some hundreds smaller than that, uh, next year. Uh, interestingly, I know that there was a capacity study done at the campus uh, some years ago, and the capacity was 38,000 students in total, and we're already at forty, just over 40,000, so clearly. Um, causing the credibility of that study, but 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 I think it is. I think it is real. I think we are becoming um, uh, pretty pushed in terms of our ability to, to to support that many more students, and we'll start to scale that back um, uh, a little. Interestingly, uh, we've had uh, enrollment increases on all of our campuses uh, except Kokomo, where they where it fell just slightly. And uh, I'm. Going to be initiating soon a capacity study for all the campuses, and we'll do a new one for Bloomington too. I think just to revise the previous one, uh, and and try to use that a little more uh, sort of proactively in terms of uh, shaping the classes in future, uh, and uh, uh, and that will enable us to be to be uh, better prepared. So 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 though, as I said, one is one is overjoyed at the at the the fact that as a public university, we can we we can claim to be. Um, educating so many Hoosiers. I think realistically, at least on this campus, uh, this is probably as high as we're going to get in the foreseeable
0: future. Yeah, I didn't expect to see uh, the campus here grow over 40,000. That seems like a a, a big number. It is. It is. All right, we have our first phone call of the day, and it's John. John, go ahead.
3: Yes, Mr. President, I just wanted to uh, ask a quick question, maybe a little bit off topic, but uh, also before I do that, I just want to... uh, let you know my support of you. I think you're uh, fantastic and I've never been more proud to be an IU alumni. Oh, well thank um, you Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Uh, just, just real quick, just wondering if you're going to be in Greencastle today for uh, President Casey's inauguration.
1: Uh, no, I'm sadly I, I, I won't be uh, um, there. I've, uh, I've got commitments here in Bloomington the rest of the day:
3: Sure well I, I appreciate
1: the work that you do and you're doing a fantastic job. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for those kind comments. very good of you. You're very
0: well. All right, John. Thanks a lot for the call. Eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, and send your email to noon at indiana.edu. I wanted to follow up on the uh, the idea of the the regional campuses with the uh, the growth of Ivy Tech uh, Community College around the state. It seems to have changed a bit the role of the of the regional campuses of IU. Could you address that?
1: Yeah, I, I think Bob. The, the the key thing we've done there is it is that um, I think it's important for. Indiana University to, as a whole, all campuses to, to, to clearly differentiate itself uh, in mission from that the mission of, of uh, Ivy Tech and um, what uh, what we have done and we have a formal agreement in place with with Ivy Tech to this effect is is that we basically ha- have, are getting out of and pretty much are out of the um, associate degree uh, business. So with some specialist exceptions and in one or two. Uh, other areas there are exceptions um, we will no longer be uh, giving associate degrees and uh, uh, Indiana University will become effectively a purely baccalaureate and above uh, uh, um, uh, institution of higher education and we will leave the associate degrees business um, to um, and, uh, and other qualifications to to Ivy Tech and uh, to me I think that makes it much clearer as to what our mission will be I think it makes it clear to Ivy Tech what their mission uh, will be and uh, for, that, for, for this to really benefit the state though um, fully and comprehensively, we need good articulation agreements between IBTEC and i u and and uh, many of those have been put in place and, and work continues to build those out comprehensively uh, across all the regions of um, of the state, and I must compliment Tom Schneider, the new uh, relative, well. When I say new, he's about as new as I am. Uh, the new president of, of I, Ivy Tech, Tom, has been a terrific fellow to work with. He's energetic, and he understands what the mission of his organization is. And he's been highly collaborative, and uh, and a great pleasure to work with.
2: I want to go back for a second to the uh, the, the student size, and uh, you said you're you're hoping to um, you know go down a couple hundred students just yep. just for. You know, size concerns, and I'm wondering, will that allow the school to to tighten its admissions criteria a little bit to perhaps sure, force sure. out some students?
1: Yeah, well, it, well, it's not a matter of um, forcing out if they're not in. <laughs> okay, allowing <laughs> but, fewer but in then we, we will. Uh, we, we will. That would certainly probably involve a tightening of um, admission uh, criteria. But but the key thing to remember is that uh, that Indiana University uses um, holistic. Uh, Criteria for uh, evaluating students for admission, and it is not it is not just based on achievement of a certain SAT score. It is not just based on a certain GPA. We fully acknowledge that there are going to be situations where a student uh, may have may have a, a lower than um, than expected uh, SAT or GPA. Um, however, given where they come from, what their background is, what other Promise and ability they show that that they have the potential to be a fine student, uh, maybe with some additional um, assistance, and we will uh, we reserve the right to admit that student to Indiana University.
0: All right, our phone number is eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, and you can send your email to noon at indiana edu. Uh, you came into uh, your job with a lot of initiatives. I think there were seven or eight things that you have you. Particularly focused on one of them was international efforts and getting more international students here, getting more IU students to to uh, learn internationally and to 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 go to classes internationally. Um, again, I want to go back to the the economic crisis that we're having. What kind of impact might that have on our efforts to attract international students?
1: Uh, it, it's a it's a very interesting question, Bob. I, I I think at the moment it's probably too early to tell because we haven't really things haven't settled down, they're still obviously highly volatile. Uh, and until there's some settling of uh, the the dust from the present um, uh, difficulties, uh, it'll be difficult to tell which parts of the world are more affected than others. I think at the moment, one would probably say that Europe is being affected more than um, uh, than Asia is, uh, whether that continues to be the case, although I know the Nikkei fell nearly, I think, about 10% overnight. Um, uh, but... Um, China, because of its economic system, is um, its, its hybrid economic system, is seems to be relatively uh, immune so far. So, um, uh, and, I, and clearly the uh, the Gulf states, which is uh, Saudi Arabia, which is I think now our fifth largest uh, country in terms of the number of students we overseas students we get from that country, uh, probably is relatively immune for for a while as well. Uh, but I and, – and, and on top of that, we get about three-quarters of our students from Asia as well. So uh, unless we see uh, even more problems emerge in, in Asia, I would say that the number of students, uh, international students, uh, will probably not be hugely affected um, by this. That's, that's my view at the moment and that may change depending on what happens over the next few weeks.
0: And how, you, how would you evaluate this part of your, your agenda, the international portion of the – of the main initiatives that you brought forward,
1: oh, I think uh, I think it's going um, it's going very well. I uh, I'm, I'm delighted that we have um, record numbers of uh, international students. Um, again, uh, there's no real target there, but I think they contribute uh, as well to the diversity of the of the campus body. Uh, but I think the most important part of the international agenda is getting our students, getting uh, Hoosier students overseas and uh, the number of Hoosier uh, students who, who spent periods of time in study abroad activities was up 17% last year, and uh, and I'm just delighted in, in that, and that I think means the message is getting out. Uh, the uh, the support services through Vice President Amira's office, I think, are clearly um, uh, showing just uh, how well they work, um, and uh, I, I want to see that increase um, significantly more in the future years. Um, I think I spoken about this before bob, but one of the one of the issues here is that w- we really have very few um, endowment resources to help students uh, uh, to, I- to get overseas for periods of time and study abroad and um, uh, at the moment, students are mainly self funded which means it 's the students from the well to do backgrounds who are managing it uh, I, I think what you 're finding is it 's the minority students from low income backgrounds and low income students and background students in particular who are not getting uh, are not able to get overseas and so I, I want to uh, probably as part of our next campaign, look seriously at building up a substantial endowment to help provide the financial aid to get those students overseas but I think in terms of educating and preparing our students for uh, employment uh, in the world, uh, it's one of the most important things we can do is expose them to uh, the uh, uh, the scale of, of uh, global activity in their particular areas. There's no area of research or no area, no professional area that isn't affected to a greater or lesser degree by the international economy or by uh, international
2: competition. Some weeks ago, you said you would not sign a petition that's going around to college presidents asking them to to urge legislators to, to lower drinking ages um, but you said you were personally for such a move just – you know, but said that as a university president, you couldn't support it. Now, I have a question and an emailer has a question. My question is, do you think that movement um, has a realistic goal based on conversations you've had with other university officials elsewhere and the emailer wants to know, uh, if uh, what is being done, or if enough is being done to address alcohol abuse on and off campus.
1: Uh, firstly, uh, I I'm um, I'm very pleased that that um, that this matter has led to a debate um, and uh, a public hearing of the uh, the issues involved in this. Um, I'm also aware of the fact that. Um, this is a this is an issue that has deep historical and cultural roots um, in this state, in this region, um, and uh, uh where um uh it, it, whatever happens is is got to be the result of um very thoughtful, prolonged consideration by uh, by all those who who have a stake in it. Um I have my own view, as I've stated, um uh in terms of are we doing enough um, i i would I would uh, probably defer that to someone like uh, Dean McCaig. but um, from everything I know and understand, I think it's an issue that we clearly take uh, uh, very seriously and and uh, a considerable effort has been put towards addressing it
0: it 's a difficult issue D- Dean it McCaig is. was here with us. Uh, few weeks ago he's, and he talked about it at, at great length. Trevor Burrus
1: a, he's, a, so. he's a wonderful man. He's going to be a very difficult uh, guy to replace.
0: That was another one of the, uh, the issues you talked about coming in was how there was going to be a transition of leadership in some ways. Right. There were going to be a lot right. of key people. To replace, and you've replaced, you've had to replace several key people and, and put new people in very responsible positions. Who are some of the other, or what are some of the other jobs that are becoming, that will be coming open, where you're going to have to go out and look for somebody to be a leader? And Dick McKeag is one one example.
1: Oh, I think um, uh, let's see. There's the chancellorship at IU East and IU East campus. Uh, that's in the final stages uh, of. Um, evaluation at the moment. We'll be looking for new chancellors at IU Kokomo and IU Northwest. Uh, obviously, we're doing a search for a new athletic director at the moment. Um, uh, of the present uh, roughly two dozen deans, I'd say that uh, about uh, a quarter of them will be um, retiring over the next uh, two or three years. Um, uh, I think Vice President Claypax has announced his intention to uh, retire in the middle of next, next year. Uh, so they, those are, um, I think, those are some of the, the main uh, appointments that we'll need to make over the next couple of years. And of course, um, uh, we know demographically that uh, that uh, we'll we'll be replacing a lot of senior faculty um, over the next uh, five to seven years as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Another appointment that's going to be made sometime soon is the school's first sustainability director, and there's right. already already been a committee appointed to mm-hmm. to find this person. and right. um, I'm wondering uh, what kind of challenges you think that person will face in light of a couple of reports that came out shortly after the school announced this person was being looked for that said that IU lags behind its peers in the Big Ten and indeed nationally in terms of its sustainability efforts. Though there are certainly some going on presently on campus, Uh, what does this person need to be able to do as soon as they hit the campus in order to get IU's sustainability to be recognized as – at the forefront of of the the movement nationwide.
1: Well, I I think that uh, firstly I would you know challenge those those claims, but that's not really um, uh, something we need to get into. But I think one of the key things this person's going to have to do is because they're going to be in a in a, a position partly of of advocacy, um, uh, but certainly not in a position to be able to to mandate things. Is they is they're going to have to be persuasive, and they're going to have to. Be able to formulate with the uh, system what's now the sustainability was the the, um, uh, the the task force is now the advisory committee um, a sort of a, a compelling and, and uh, a credible series of initiatives. Um, actually, quite a few of which are already, frankly, underway. But uh, uh, that um, uh, that people will 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 see really are going to have a um, a, a positive uh, impact on. Um, both environmental issues and issues of um, sustainability and and issues of uh, the the carbon footprints of uh, of of uh, well of this campus in particular although we'll be looking at how to expand these activities uh, uh to the other campuses over the next year or so as well but uh, most of it's focused on bloomington at the moment and uh so this this is this will take a um, this will take a a, a a a particularly skillful tactful person uh but somebody who really understands what they're doing and can uh, and and can uh, persuade um, uh, people about the value of taking um, uh, certain key steps.
2: I understand the concerns about methodology of some of these studies and uh, and and things of that nature that say they may not present a full view of right. what the university is doing. Right. But certainly, would be nice to have recognition as as a leader in sustainability, especially as it becomes a more and more prominent issue in the twenty first century
1: oh uh obviously you know recognition of, of a credible kind i would, I, I, I certainly think is absolutely uh, right in terms of, some of these issues and i mean, I, uh, I i'm uh, absolutely um 100% behind uh doing all we can to become uh much more energy efficient and uh and because it contributes to um uh goals of uh, uh greater efficiency overall of of the institution and uh and it uh ultimately is less injurious to um, the, uh, the physical environment uh, and, uh, and, and, le- and less impactful on the, the quality of, of that environment as well. So um, I, I think it will be interesting to see uh, over the years um, that the way in which measures of, of, uh, uh, of excellence in this area sort of develop. I think they're probably in very early stages of, um, of development
0: at the moment. All right. We have to go to the phones now. Joe is on the line. Joe?
1: Yes,
3: hi. I wondered uh, what President McRoby thought of the corporatization of the community culture uh, at a university um, where students might feel they're being trained for a job rather than, rather than the search for enlightenment and knowledge of its own sake and being a better citizen and all that, the kind of things that were espoused at the beginning of this country. I wondered if you felt that we're getting too much corporate sponsorship and that Going back to community would better serve the university. Just want your idea on that. Thanks.
1: I, I just I, I think that um, that as a large public university, what we try to do is provide um, the fundamentals of uh, a liberal arts education to every student, and that will become much more explicit in our general education curriculum on the Bloomington campus, which starts in two thousand and ten, eleven. So every Student will um, ha- will basically have as a fundamental part of their education um, uh, a series of um, courses that they have to do that will comprise the the core of a, a liberal arts education, and then and after, then on top of that they will do the rest of the courses they require to uh, achieve um, professional qualifications if they wanted. I mean, I think we also need to be mindful of. Uh, the, the needs of students and uh, and the needs of society the student the, the, the society needs um, trained professionals in in a uh, variety of of areas and uh, the schools that we have um, uh, reflect those needs um, whether it be teachers doctors dentists nurses uh, optometrists and so on
2: you're having office hours with students now i'm interested in what some of the what some of the concerns are that the students have brought to you and uh, I, I wondered, are are you actually able to address these or do you find that you have to uh, delegate this to somebody else or send the students somewhere else and say, well, I really don't have purview over that individual aspect that you're concerned about?
1: Uh, I think um, I, I just received the most lovely hand, lengthy handwritten letter from a young woman who uh, – from one of the halls of residence who had um, a, a real problem there. She came to see me and uh, – I um, – and, and obviously I have staff who assist me in this and uh, she told me about the issue and I said, this is terrible. We have to get this addressed and the matter was addressed and she wrote me a lovely letter of thanks, which I was really taken aback by. I was very, very kind of her. And um, uh, sure, I mean I, I – to me it, it serves – f- one purpose it serves is to give me a feel of what kinds of issues are out there and what are the concerns. But sometimes and, – and students will sometimes come um, – one student came to me – I think it was last year, maybe the first time I did this. A uh, young man who spends his time uh, on, over the vacation helping uh, y- young infants uh, who, are, who are orphans of um, a, parents who have died of AIDS in, um, in Cambodia, and he was looking for how could he generate more philanthropic support for the kinds of efforts of the organisations he was involved in. I, I was just, I was so impressed that uh, I think it was just indicative of just how selfless and uh and and the, the the enormous degree of idealism and social responsibility that the ones he's reflected among our students, and then, uh, then I get other students and but, but of course that's that's a lot harder to be able to to be able to help him. i mean I go, did what we could in terms of suggestions as to what to do and so on, who to go to, but then I get students who come with very specific matters you know this isn't working, that isn't working, what can you do about it and uh, and normally i I have people who say we're going to fix this, and so we get delegated and I think we've addressed most of the issues of a specific kind that have been brought to us
2: people yeah. don't come in asking hey can you change the light bulb in my room do they sometimes
1: it sometimes gets close <laughs> <laughs> right. but, but you know but this but this is so but this gives you a feel so what's working and what's not out there you know and, and why aren't these things getting addressed more quickly and is this is this more systemic or is this just simply the fact that we're a huge organization and these things happen and I I find that's this is a variant on on, on, on managing by walking around in a sense you get a feel for what's on people's minds it's interesting
2: this gets back to to what our caller was just talking about, about you know, teaching the the humanities and teaching the way to be a person rather than the way to be a corporate culture and it strikes me that the the example you gave of the student going to Cambodia is an interesting uh, analog to exactly what he says. He, the caller says he'd like to have the school teach and the, and the uh, culture he'd like to have fostered.
1: Trevor Burrus Sure, but, but, but at the same time, remember that um uh, I've forgotten the exact figure, but I think it's something like two thirds of the people in this country are, are, are uh, employed by the corporate uh, sector, and uh, and and corp- corporate philanthropy and generosity uh, and and the role that plays in economic pr- prosperity is just fundamental to, to to this country.
0: I should apologize to our email. I didn't uh, realize we had this one sitting over here and waited really late in the program to ask you this, but I need to get to it. Um, it says Indiana University is currently considering an outsource, outsourcing of student loan administration. What are your feelings on the effects of IU and its community of outsourcing in general on this outsourcing uh, proposal in particular? Uh,
1: I'm not absolutely certain what the listener is referring to, Bob. If, I've, if we've got the details of – uh, the, the listener there, let me get uh, him or her an answer um, uh, from the okay. relevant position. Uh, I'm not, not certain what they're referring to.
0: Okay. Yep. All right. We'll do that. And my last question, uh, we only have about two minutes to go, has to do with the, the election. I'm not asking you to endorse anybody but I want, uh, if you could, if you could address the, the um, sort of importance of a, a presidential election of this sort of historic magnitude on campus and on the students who are on campus and how much student activity you've been seeing. Oh, um I think well I've you know I've been in this country
1: twelve years. I, I nearly twelve years. I think uh I don't think I've I've seen a a federal election that has galvanized uh uh the student population uh anywhere near the degree that this election has since I've been here. I mean this this is um uh the, the, the level of uh Enthusiasm and passion that one sees out there among the student body, um, uh, and it's probably fair to say that uh, it's more one way than another. Uh, being a uh, being a university or being a campus, that's how historically campuses have tended to be. But I think we saw it in when Senator Obama was here; um, he had an enormous crowd and uh, was um, uh, you know rapturously received. But the same was true when Senator Clinton was here too, um, and uh, and that's a level of uh, uh, interest and involvement in national politics that's unprecedented in in certainly the 12 years I've lived in this country and people draw parallels people are drawing parallels with you know 64 and and uh, maybe 68 although that's there's some bad parallels to be drawn there too of course and 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 so on in terms of the level of uh, the level of passion and and engagement there is in the political process and I think it's I think it's a it's a it's a good thing I think uh, I think it's a duty of of citizens to 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 be engaged in the in the political process and, I, and I, I commend all the students on the campus no matter what political persuasion for, uh, for, their, for their energy and enthusiasm in this matter.
0: All right. and We are out of time. Thank you very much for that answer and thanks for being here, President Michael McRobbie. It's always good to have you. A pleasure, Bob. And Stan. Stan, just thanks for Thanks for being here with me today and for Ariana Prothero, our producer and Mike Pashkash, our engineer, I'm Bob Zaltzberg.